We're diving back into Revelation 12 today. I was out last week uh, at a conference, and I hope I know you enjoyed Matt Stout. Matt is our campus Arrington, uh, Arrington campus pastor, and man, he is doing a phenomenal job. We hired Matt when he was 22 years old. He's been with us now for 10 years, believe it or not, and uh, he, we have trained him and poured into him and sent him out as one of our campus pastors, and, and God is using him in a phenomenal way at our Arrington campus. I hope he told you some about that last week. Uh, and so today, we're gonna jump back into Revelation. I sort of feel like that I need to be preaching this book uh, to you when I'm here, and, uh, and I, I love it too much to, to let somebody else do it, to be honest. And so, uh, so today, I, I like giving you a little break from it every now and then anyway. But today, we're gonna jump back into Revelation 12, which is uh, one of the greatest chapters. I love it, and you're gonna find out why in a moment. But uh, as I was thinking through it this week, uh, and last week, I actually uh, found a quote from Einstein uh, that where Einstein once said that if he had one hour to fix the world, he would spend 55 minutes on the problem and then only five minutes on the solution. And you know what? It, it really, what he's saying in his point is, uh, if you do not know what the problem is, your solution is going to be off, right? I mean, you don't know how, what the solution possibly could be if you don't really understand the problem. And it's really common sense, isn't it? And I understood this uh, because a couple of years ago, I had a great illustration of my own life. I mean, it was a Saturday and the balls were about to kick off and I have no clue why I was excited, but I was. And they were about to kick off and right before the kickoff, my cable went out. Now, man, I, I got, uh, you know, I mean, I got Xfinity on the phone and when I got off, there was no miscommunication. They understood very clearly what I wanted. I wanted them to fix my cable now, right? And so two hours later, nothing. It was still off. There was literally, and I was absolutely fuming. I was fussing about their incompetence of Xfinity and all this stuff. And, and I'd talk, my, Amy was gone. I'd called her a couple of times fussing like she could do anything about it. I just needed to fuss at somebody. And so, uh, you know, and she finally comes home and two hours, nothing happened. And she walks over and notices that one of our kids has pushed their school car into the main hub and it's unplugged from the wall. And so, the problem wasn't Xfinity, the problem was my kids, okay? And so my solution was faulty and not working because I was trying to solve the wrong problem, okay? And so if, you're, if you don't know the problem, your solution's gonna be uh, way off, right? That's why Revelation 12 is so good and why I love it. I think it's foundational. It's sort of like Genesis. If you don't understand Genesis 1, 2, and 3, you're not gonna understand what's going on in our world, in your life, the Bible, or nothing. Well, if you don't understand Revelation 12, it's the same thing. Because what happens in Revelation 12 is foundational. Because what we've seen already is we've seen John tell us, and we've seen the opening of the seven seal judgments. We've uh, seen, heard the seven trumpet judgments. But before he dives into the seven bold judgments, he takes a three-chapter pause. He hits pause, and he takes three-chapter pause to open the curtain and let us know what's going on behind the scenes of the world. And he lets us know what all of our problems, no problem in your life uh, doesn't go back to this here. Every problem goes back to this is the root, and you need to know what it is. He pulls back the curtains, shows us behind the scenes, reveals the real problem and the real solution. And Paul, as he basically refers to this in Ephesians 6, when Paul says that uh, we wrestle not against flesh and blood. In other words, our fight is not with politics or politicians, okay? Hopefully we're learning that. Our fight is not with our legacy media or, the college or our college professor or our spouse or anyone else. Our fight is not against flesh and blood. It is against principalities and powers. In other words, it's against the devil, there's this cosmic conflict that's going on, that's been going on since Genesis 3 between God's people and the devil. This has been going on since Genesis 3. That's the real problem, and any solution other than the gospel is going to be faulty, okay? And so, so we're gonna look at that, and so, so let's dive in. I wanna read the first six verses of Revelation chapter 12 today. We'll cover the rest of the chapter next week, but uh, let's, let's dive in. It says, John says, and a great sign, now hang on to that sign, circle that, it's very important. Uh, it's apocalyptic literature, so this is very important. And a great sign appeared in heaven. A woman clothed with the sun, with the moon under her feet, and on her head a crown of 12 stars. She was pregnant and was crying out in birth pains and the agony of giving birth. And another sign appeared in heaven. Behold, a great red dragon, 
with seven heads and 10 horns and on his head, seven diadems. His tail swept down a third of the stars of heaven and cast them to the earth. And the dragon stood before the woman who was about to give birth so that when she bore her child, he might devour it. She gave birth to a male child, one who is to rule all nations with a rod of iron. But her child was caught up to God and to his throne. And the woman fled into the wilderness where she has a place prepared by God in which she is to be nourished 1,260 days. Now, you look at this once again, and it's like, wow. I mean, it's, it, what in the world? You have to read it slow, and you have to go, what is all this about? Remember, Revelation is apocalyptic literature. John never meant for us to take it literal, okay? He's using magnificent imagery to teach deep spiritual truths, all right? And so uh, when we look at that, we need to understand that he, he introduces us to three characters in the first six verses that are foundational for your entire understanding of the Bible, of the world, and every problem in your life, okay? If you don't understand these three characters, you're gonna miss the story of the Bible, the redemptive story of the Bible, and you're gonna misunderstand everything that's happening in your life and around the world today. So let's talk about these three characters. Here's what I wanna do. I wanna, I wanna exposit this passage. I wanna talk about who these three characters are, and then uh, really some things it means for our lives today or some applications and way this dovetails into our lives today and helps you to understand some things in our lives today. So let's talk about these three characters. We got the woman, we got her child, and we got the dragon. The woman, her child, and the dragon. Three characters, let's look at them. Who's the woman? Well, that's a great question. There's a lot of confusion about who the woman is. You know, uh, the Roman Catholics. Now, today we read the Apostles' Creed, the Nicene Creed, and when we read that, you know, we talk about the Holy Catholic Church, and understand, that doesn't, has nothing to do with the Roman Catholic Church. We're not saying, well, we're Catholic. Uh, that, that's a little case, lowercase c, and that comes from two Greek words, basically, put together. That means throughout the whole, and all it's talking about is that the church, the eternal universal church, throughout ages, throughout histories, and all places, okay? That's, that's what that means. But Roman Catholicism is much different, all right? That doesn't refer to a specific group of people. Uh, in the, the Apostles' Creed, Roman Catholicism is a much different deal. The Roman Catholics believe that this woman in Revelation 12 is the Virgin Mary, whom they call the Queen of Heaven, right? But we know that it's not a real woman. Matter of fact, in the beginning, what did he say? A sign appeared in heaven, not a literal woman, a sign, okay? And so we know it's not a literal woman, so it's not literally Mary, okay? Also, we read here that, that this woman had to run into the wilderness after the, the ascension, after uh, the, her child was caught up, right? She had to run into the wilderness to be protected and nourished by God for 1,260 days or three and a half years, Okay, and we also know, as we will read later in chapter seven, that all her children are those who are obedient to the commands of God. Okay, so she's not Mary. Okay, that's the, that's what we know. Uh, now, some cults believe that she represents one of their prophetesses. Like, for instance, the Church of Scientology was founded by a woman named Mary Baker Eddy, and they believe that the woman represents Mary Baker Eddy and. The child is the doctrine of the Church of Scientology and that her, uh, or the dragon, is all those who would oppose or call her out as fake, all right? So, point is, there's a lot of confusion about this woman. Who is this woman? Well, I believe that this woman is all of God's people. All of God's people in the Old Testament called Israel. All of God's people in the New Testament called the church. John gives this organic union between Israel and the church. The church did not replace Israel. Okay, uh, the church is an organic union. We were grafted in, become the true Israel or those who have faith in God is what the scripture says, right? And so, so we uh, uh, and, and Israel, the church and Israel, I believe this woman represents all the people of God from th those who love God and follow God from Genesis 1 to Revelation 22, all right? That's, that's, that's who uh, the, the, this woman is. Now, it, notice it says that she's clothed in the sun. She has the moon under her feet and she has a, a crown with 12 stars. Well, what in the world does this refer to? Well, I, or, I mean, I, I think it's a reference back to Genesis 37. You remember the dream of Joseph? 
uh, Joseph, he, the, the, you know, he had the technicolored coat, the multicolored coat, and, and man, and he had some dreams, and God had some plans, and, and that's cool, but he liked to rub it in his brother's faces. You, you remember that? And so he had these dreams, and he liked to go, gloat it over his brothers, too. And so in Genesis 37, here, here's what uh, we read about one of Joseph's dreams. See if it sounds just like what we've just read. Uh, then he dreamed, Joseph, another dream, and he told it to his brothers, and he said, behold, I have dreamed another dream. Behold, the sun, the moon, and the 11 stars were bowing down to me, his brothers, all right? But when he told it to his father and to his brothers, his father rebuked him and said to him, what is this dream that you have dreamed? Shall I and your mother and your brothers indeed come to bow ourselves to the ground before you? Now, what this is a reference to is Jacob and Rachel and the sons of Jacob who become the 12 tribes of Israel, Okay, and so it's a reference to God's people in the Old Testament and the 12 apostles in the New Testament. And so I think that's what you're, you're seeing when it talks about this woman and she's clothed in the sun, the moon, and the stars. And it says that she is pregnant and in the midst of birth pangs, right? Now, uh, here's what we know. Uh, when God created the world, uh, he created a perfect world. And in a perfect world, women would give birth without pain. <laughs> women, the world's not perfect, is it? Uh, listen, I, I, the, giving birth, because of the curse of sin, there is pain in childbirth. There is so much pain that when Amy was pregnant with our two bio boys, uh, I would never say we're pregnant, okay? Guys, don't say we're pregnant because we ain't giving birth to anybody, okay? And it's a good thing because it, I know men, listen, and you can't even act like it. it. I've seen this happen, and many of you men have seen your wife give birth. I ain't having no child, all right? And if it was up to men to give birth, there'd be zero population right now, <laughs> right? I mean, we know that. And so she is in the pangs of childbirth. Now, what does this mean? Well, I believe what it's talking about is it's talking about Old Testament Israel as they are in persecution, they are laboring in pain and in suffering, and they are eagerly awaiting the birth of the Messiah. They're eagerly awaiting. And we also know in the New Testament, when the wording of this pangs of childbirth is used, it's never, the wording is never used of literal childbirth. It's always used to ref, as a reference to suffering and persecution and tribulation, okay? And so, so what we have here is we have the woman is the people of God. John sees a sign in heaven, and it's a reference to the people of God. He sees the people, the Old Testament Israel, New Testament church, he sees the people of God. So then, let's dive into the dragon. Who is the dragon? I mean, this dragon, he's red, and he has seven heads and seven uh, crowns and 10 horns, and man, it's like something on the Terminator. I mean, what in the world is this, you know? I mean, you struggle through revelation. You have to stay on your toes in interpretation, and you're like, what is this? Well, thankfully, we don't have to struggle with interpretation about who the dragon is because John just flat out tells us. He describes him, this red beast of a dragon with seven heads and seven crowns and 10 horns, and then he just says, and it's the devil, right? Now, the devil, he sometimes uh, referred to as the devil, sometimes Satan and, and, and our enemy. Why is that? Well, the devil means liar, deceiver, liar. Satan means adversary, right? That's where we get enemy. And so John just tells us it's the devil. Now, the numbers seven and 10 in Revelation are numbers of completion. And so, so what you're seeing here is he's got seven heads, seven crowns, the number of completion, and 10 horns. Horns is a symbol for power in Scripture. If you go back to Daniel 7, Daniel has a vision, and in Daniel's vision, Daniel uh, sees these beasts come up out of, you know, in secession, and the most terrible beast had 10 horns. And what it was a symbol of, it was a symbol of the adversary, to, the, the adversary and his power to rule this world through evil kings and kingdoms that oppose God. And so notice when, uh, what John says is, so he sees this dragon and his tail sweeps a third of the stars out of the sky. And so what, what, what is that all about? And some people say, well, that would be, wouldn't it, when Isaiah refers to basically Satan getting evicted from heaven, right? And, the, and, and, he ta and the, the, the angels who followed him, you know, when he 
when he tried to rebel against God in heaven. Isaiah refers to this and uh, that primordial battle. I, I don't think that's what it is. I think the stars refer to the, to the stars in the woman's crown who are what? The, the people of God. And so what I think he's talking about here is that you've got the dragon who is the devil with seven heads, seven crowns, 10 horns, and he's got this, this power to rule uh, this world, to be the ruler of this world, of which we're told in scripture, through the evil and wicked kings, rulers, and kingdoms that oppose Christ. And he launches a savage attack on the church and on God's people because he knows he's defeated, he knows he's lost, and he's trying to burn the house down on his way out and take as many with him as he can. And that's what you have for this, for this church age tribulation, this three and a half years, 1260 days, that the woman has to go into the wilderness. That's referring to the church age where we're protected by God. Yes, we're in this cosmic battle because you have the dragon who's at battle against the woman. You have Satan, the devil, who's at battle against the people of God. He's already lost the war with God. He's lost the war. And, and, and he is defeated and he knows it and he knows his time is short and he wants to take you with him as many as he can and burn the place down on his way out. And that's the cosmic battle. John's opening the curtains and we're seeing behind the scenes to know what's going on in our world. But then there's a third character, there's a child. And it, it becomes obvious who the child is, doesn't it? I mean, John says that uh, the child of, of the woman and, and when we look at this child of, of the woman, uh, it, it, he says it's the Messiah who will rule with an iron rod, a rod of iron. Remember, last two weeks ago, we talked about in Revelation 11, there was a reference to Psalm 2. This is a reference back again to Psalm 2. The nations are raging against God, it says. The nations are raging against God, but his anointed one will rule with an iron rod, a rod of iron, and dominate. He is one. It's talking about Jesus, whom John in 1 John, in his writings in 1 John, says that will just came to destroy the works of the devil, okay? And so, so when you, you see this child, uh, it, it's Jesus, and verses four and five are a two-verse summary of the birth, life, death, resurrection, and ascension of Jesus, Verses four and five, it's a two-verse summary of all of that in Jesus' life. Notice it says that the dragon is standing before the woman ready to devour her child as she gives birth. Now, imagine that, a dragon standing before the woman ready to give child. Now, how many of you have this in your nativity scenes, a dragon, you know? None of you have a nativity scene, a dragon in your nativity scene, do you? I mean, no, it's, it's not there. It's not in our nativities, uh, but it's in the Bible. It's all through the Bible. It's from Genesis 3, all the way to the birth narrative in Luke 2, right? And you say, well, where is that, Pat, in the Bible? Well, uh, here's what happened. You see, d the devil is a liar. He's a deceiver, right? And so what did he do to Adam and Eve? He comes into Adam and Eve, and God told them exactly how to live and how to enjoy life to its fullest. And, and he told them, you can eat of any tree, play in, play in them, build tree houses in them, eat of every tree, and you can even play and build tree houses in the tree in the middle of the garden, the tree of knowledge of good and evil, but you can't eat of it. For when you eat of it, you will die. So what did the enemy do? He, he didn't come in and just start calling God non, his word non. He said, did God really say? He calls them to begin to question God's word. He caused them to begin, he, he began to ca cause them to doubt the goodness of God. He, 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 he misquoted scripture. He began to really cause them to doubt whether God's word was absolute or not, whether it was really true. Sound familiar? It's, it's still his tactic, isn't it? And, and so he, he, he deceived them into stiff-arming God, disobeying his commands, doing their own thing. And when he did, Adam and Eve took the bait and they fell. And when they fell, we inherited that, all their children, all the way down to you and I and every child who will be born until Jesus returns, okay? Now, what happened? When that happened, then God cursed Satan, right? He cursed the enemy, he cursed the adversary. And here's what he said. It's, it's, we call it the Proto-Evangelium. It's the first gospel, right? It's all the way back in Genesis three. And here's what he says. This is God speaking to the enemy. I will put enmity, cosmic conflict. You got this conflict. I will put enmity between you and the woman. 
between you and the woman and between your offspring and her offspring. He shall bruise your head, which means uh, uh, he shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel, which means his heel means wounded, but bruising your head means crushed, destroyed. Because So here's what God told the enemy. You've done this and here's what's gonna happen. I, I, I'm gonna put enmity. There's gonna be conflict between you and the woman and her, and your, her seed and, your, and you will wound, but he will destroy you. And so here's what happened. Immediately, when, when the adversary, the enemy, the devil heard that the seed of the woman would destroy him, he immediately tried to cut off the line of the woman. And it happens all through scripture because he's not successful. And we see it immediately when he incited Cain to kill his godly brother. You begin to see this. And then we could go on and on and on, but let me just pick a few. You got Cain and Abel. Then if you come, what does Pharaoh do as Israel is growing and threatening him? Pharaoh orders the midwives, the Egyptian midwives, to kill all the Hebrew baby boys as they come out of the womb, right? But Moses' mother was bold and courageous. She stood strong and saved her son, right, with, with the leading of God. And so, so then, if you just, I mean, we could go on and on and on, but if you come all the way then to, to Esther, Esther, what's the story of Esther? The story of Esther is the story of a, of, of a, of a Jewish woman uh, and who became the, the, one of the wives of the king, and he didn't even know she was Jewish by God's sovereign decree. And the story is that a man named Haman was intent to eradicate, wipe out, ethnically cleanse the world of all the Jewish people. And his plan was put together, and the king agreed to it until Esther came forward and all the people were saved. The plan was thwarted. And then if you come, we could go on and on, but if you come to uh, the story of after Jesus's birth, you know, we talked about your nativity. You got your wise men in your nativity. Well, they shouldn't be there either, okay? Remember, well, they should be on the other side of the house on their way because they weren't there the night Jesus was born. Uh, they were on their way, and Jesus was in a house somewhere then when, when they came, and they came, and Herod heard about this, and what did Herod do? He got so threatened because there was a new king. And so what did Herod do? He sent, and this is one of the reasons that we know that the, uh, that the wise men, because he asked when they ascertained this, and this is one reason we know that it wasn't the night Jesus was born, because Herod then sent and killed all the male babies, boys in, Jeru in Bethlehem, two years old and younger. Again, plan was thwarted because God had told Joseph to take his family, to, to, to take Jesus and Mary to Egypt. Didn't happen all the way through. And then what happens? None of this, all this failed, and then he, 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 he tempted Judas to betray Jesus. And Judas betrayed Jesus with a kiss, and finally he had him. They arrested Jesus, the Messiah. They arrested him, and they, they you know, on trumped-up charges, they lied about him. They tortured him mercilessly. They crucified him, nailed him to a tree. He said, it is finished and died. The enemy laughed and thought he had won. Finally, I've taken care of the seed of the woman the one who was going to destroy me. But you see, what he didn't realize when Jesus declared it is finished, it wasn't a declaration of defeat. It was a declaration of a victory. When he said it is finished, he was saying, it's, it's done. The price is paid for the sin of all those who believe in me. It's done. And so then on the third day, Jesus came out of the grave. And then what John says, what he went up, was caught up to his father in the throne. He ascended back to heaven. And then what happens? The woman, where does the woman go? Into the wilderness where she is protected and nourished by the father for three and a half years, 1260 days. What is that? Remember, going back a couple of weeks ago to Daniel's 70th week of years, it's talking about the church age. So I hope you're beginning to see how all this is coming together and how the church is being persecuted, the tribulation from the time of Jesus' ascension until Jesus' return. That's the three and a half years symbolically, the 1260 days referred to in Daniel, uh, Daniel's 70th week of years, the last half of the 70th week of years. It's the church age. The, the woman is in the wilderness, meaning a place of, of, of uh, simultaneously a place of persecution, a place of tribulation, but also a place of protection where God is protecting the church, right, church? And so, so that's where they are. And, so what, and what you see is you've got the, 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 the devil in all of this, and this cosmic battle is what we've just seen in the first six verses. John has just told us foundationally, you know where every problem in the world comes from. Foundationally, we know the problem. 
We could spend, as Einstein said, if I spent uh, 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 an, an hour to fix the world, he should go read Genesis 1 through 3, and he should read Revelation 12, 1 through 3, Revelation 12, over and over and over for 55 minutes, and it wouldn't take that long to realize, well, here's the problem. The problem is a cosmic battle, a cosmic conflict that's going on between the devil and the people of God. The devil is literally, you could say, hell-bent on destroying the church. He wants to take as many people out as he can because he knows that his time is short, he is defeated, and he wants to burn the world down on his way out as he goes. He knows that, folks. And so what does this mean as we look at this? What does this mean for us? Well, let me ask you this. Why do churches die? You know, churches die. I mean, a lot of churches are dying now. Why do churches die? They have all through history. Why do churches die? More now, I mean, like crazy. Why do churches die? Why do some pastors fall to immorality? It happens. Why does that happen? Why did my mom, why did my dad die in November? Why does my mom have a, a, a horrible disease called Alzheimer's that causes her to not know what she had for lunch or breakfast or if she had lunch or breakfast that caused her to, to fall and break one hip and then go to surgery and then go to rehab and then rehab, fall and break her other hip and now it's in her hip. What, what causes, what, what cause, what, why, why does that happen? Why do we have pandemics? You know, we're so medically advanced. I mean, we, 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 we get so far ahead. Man, we, we've made so much advances, and the more advance we make on one, man, we're, we start over on another. Why, uh, why do we have pandemics that don't just cause physical damage to our bodies, but cause emotional and mental damage to our minds? Man, we don't even know what this is all doing to our kids, right? Why do we have these things? Why do our kids rebel? I mean, why, why do kids rebel in our world? Why, does, why is every person in this room and every person watching on, uh, on, online, why is it that every single one of us in some way have, have experienced the damaging pain of broken marriages and divorce in our life in some way? Why? I mean, I mean why in the world in 2021 does someone look down upon someone else because their skin is a different color. Why? I mean, are we not more evolved than that in 2021? I mean, why do people get sick? Why do we have financial problems? Why does nothing seem to be going right in our life at times? You ever feel that way? I mean, why is stress and why is there mental illness that is legit? Why? Why are all these things happening? I mean, there's a lot of answers. <laughs> I mean, man, there's a lot of answers, but listen, you go back to Einstein, and that wasn't the Bible, right? I mean, but all truth is from God. Uh, even if you, you, you know, if you're not looking for it from God, all real truth is from God. And Einstein was, if you don't know the problem, your, your solution's wrong. We got a lot of answers for all those problems. I mean, why are kids and parents and everybody else confused about gender in our world? And why is there, the, uh, why is the sexual revolution of the 60s, uh, you know, and why is it still going strong in a different direction? That Why? Why are men and women addicted to pornography? And it, I, I mean, I, I, why is there so much gossip and backbiting? Why? I mean, we, we've got answers, but why are those things? Let me tell you why. Because the devil's a liar. Because he's the deceiver. And because he's roaming to and fro looking for someone to devour. That's what the Bible says. And he's looking to devour you and he is devouring the world right now. He is devouring the world and you see so many answers from so many people and it's getting us nowhere, right? I mean, I mean, why is so many marriages in trouble? Well, listen, here, here's why. Because you deserve to be happy, right? I mean, I hear that all the time. You, you deserve to be happy. You don't understand, Pat, my wife doesn't meet my needs anymore. And she just, she doesn't meet my needs and, and I've got needs and she doesn't meet my needs. You don't understand, my husband, you know, he doesn't even notice me anymore. He doesn't even care anymore. And I deserve to be happy and we're growing apart and it's worse for our kids. It's worse for our kids for us to stay in the same house like we are than for us. You, you know, Pat, you know how it is, right? Uh, the devil's a liar and he's deceived you. He's deceived people, and he's told you things just like Adam and Eve. 
That, that, that's why marriages are falling apart because people don't understand what marriage is about. And they, we don't understand that the devil's a liar. I mean, why are so many men and women just addicted to pornography? Why? Because, Pat, you don't understand, pornography's saving my marriage. Because my wife's just not doing it for me right now. I mean, my wife is not meeting my needs, and this is helping me, and it's, it's really saving my marriage. But you don't understand, Pat. I understand it's wrong. I understand what you say, but listen, pornography is, it's between me and nobody else. It's not hurting anybody, right? It's not hurting anybody. It's between me and, it, it, it's not, the devil's a liar. The devil's a liar. He's a deceiver. He's looking for someone to devour, and he's devouring people. Why are people addicted to drugs? Because, man, I need to escape. I need to, I, I, I gotta, the devil's a liar, Right? he's alive. Tell me, listen, have you ever thought about this? Now think about, I like consistency. I like consistency. I'm going to come back and give you the real answer for all these. I'm telling you the stuff I hear. I'm going to give you the real answer for all these things in a moment. But have you ever thought about this? You know, our government in the United States says that our kids cannot do some things until a certain age, right? And these are not, these are not biblical, by the way. I mean, they're, they're not, absolute truth. They are opinion. I mean, different countries have different ages that students or people can start doing stuff, right? And so, for instance, you know that teenagers can't get their driver's license until they're 16, unless a hardship case or whatever. Uh, uh, you can't buy alcohol or, or uh, tobacco products. You, a kid can't buy a dip until he's 21 legally, right? Well, you ever think about why that is? Because, you know, it's different in different countries and we have campuses in some countries to where it's 16, you can, you can buy alcohol, drink alcohol at 16 or all those things. Why is it different? And, and, and why do we in America not let kids drive until they're 16 or buy alcohol or tobacco products until they're 21? I, whether you agree with it or not, some of you agree with it, man, it needs to be 21. Some of you say it needs to be lower. And that, that's irregardless, regardless, you know, uh, regardless of what you believe about that. That's not the point because that's not the Bible. So, but here's the point. America does that because we very clearly say that kids, you know, their brains have not fully developed and it's hard for them to make uh, decisions that are consistently good decisions, right? Until they're a certain age. I mean, you give a kid a driver's license at 14, and man, he's just going to be out doing 100 miles an hour because it's hard for him to make a good decision. You let a kid buy beer at 16 or 18, he's not going to buy, he's not going to try to drink one, he's going to try to drink 101, right? I mean, I, I mean it's just like what, what, the decisions, they don't make good decisions. Here's my point. So they don't make good enough decisions to be able to buy alcohol or a dip of tobacco or drive until they're 16. Yet right now, there's a big push to allow a child who's even in prepubescent age, if they think that they want to become a, the other sex, the other gender, to let the child begin to decide that. And when you fight against that, you're anti-LBGTQ. Is that, why is that in our world? Because people don't understand the problem. People don't understand the problem. And therefore, the solutions are going to be way off. You know, I, I mean, it, it, is, it is an incredibly complex. Why is it? Because the devil is a liar. The devil is a liar, and he's, he's seeking to destroy. He's seeking to destroy. I, I mean, folks, I think America is more divided now. I, I was born in the 60s, so I don't remember the 60s. I was born in the late 60s, all right? So, uh, but I, I don't remember the 60s. I did 60s, 66. So uh, try to make myself as young as I can. I don't remember the 60s, but man, I've studied the 60s. America was a really divided country, right? I mean, man, we were divided, uh, uh, segregated, if you'll remember. Segregated country back then. Oh, man, it looks like we've made a lot of progress. I mean, you don't see signs up that differentiate between what color can drink at this water fountain and whatnot, and our schools are not segregated, and it looks like we've made a lot of progress, right? But folks, now if we're, what we're seeing in our country, it doesn't look like we've made We've digressed, it looks like, right? We've digressed. Why is that? Because we don't understand what the problem is. You see, I mean, we, we, we've tried a lot of things, and, uh, uh, you know, political correctness is, I mean, listen, it, it's just basic JV manners, right? It's basic humanity. 
I mean, it's what you say, which is, I mean, is that right, wise? Yes, it's watch what you say. But the problem is, don't change your heart. And it's, it's the problems of what come out of you are coming from your heart. And so, so it doesn't change your heart. So when the pressure's on, so that's not the answer. Not just changing what you say. Now, that's just, that's just basic. Yes, you should watch what you say, but that's not solving the real problem, right? You got the answers now are not going to solve the real problem. Divide up into groups and, you know, I mean, divide up into groups and you know, all this. It's, it's not the answer. It, why? Because the devil's a liar. He's fooling us again. He's a liar. He's a deceiver. And he's looking for whom who he can devour. He's a liar. The devil hates the church, folks. He's hell-bent on destroying the church. He hates the church, and he wants you to hate the church. He wants you to compromise the truth and minimize Jesus in your life. He wants you to give little, and he wants you to attempt little. He, he, he wants you to be divided. He wants leaders to be arrogant. He, he wants uh, us to be ethically compromised and sexually impure and theologically unaware. I, I, he wants us to be addicted. He wants your teenagers to feel like, oh, they've got this freak get out of jail card in this period called adolescence to sow their wild oats and do whatever. That is nowhere in the Bible. And, and, and he, he wants us to be so confused. And so he tells us these half lies. And here's our deal. Oh, we got to fight because it's a, a conflict. It's, it's, a, it's a cosmic conflict and we got to fight. But here's what we need to remember. The battle belongs to the Lord. The battle belongs to the Lord. The real problem can't be solved with politics or politicians. No matter who the president is, he can't or she can't solve this problem. You cannot legislate the problem out of our country. And we need to realize that because too many churches have put their faith in things and have lined themselves with things that will not solve the problem. This is not a battle that we can win in our physical uh, 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 weapons, in our fleshly weapons, because it's not a fleshly battle. We gotta fight, but listen, folks, the battle's the Lord's. We gotta fight, but we don't have to be dragon slayers because Jesus has already slain the dragon. He's slain already. He's, he's defeated. Oh, he's still roaming around. And he, 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 until the final death, until Jesus' return, when he'll be thrown into the pit of lake of fire uh, and locked up for all of eternity, he's still looking for people to devour and he's trying to burn the house down and take as many people as he can with him. And his, his, his passion, his desire is to destroy the church. So we shouldn't wage war with fleshly uh, 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 weapons, because we're not fighting a fleshly battle. We should wage war with spiritual weapons. Spiritual weapons. With prayer, with the Bible, with holy lives. Listen, so let, let's go back. What's the problem? Why are so many marriages falling? Why are so many marriages in trouble right now? Well, because I deserve to be happy and because I, you know, I, she's not doing it for me. And so I, I, I you know, I, I, he's not meeting my needs. That's the lies of Satan. Why are so many marriages falling? Let me make sure you understand why. Because we have completely taken our eyes off of the reason God created marriage and put them on ourselves. That's why. Let me make sure you understand. When we say, I deserve to be happy. She's not meeting my needs. What is your focus on? You. Ephesians tells us that God didn't give Amy to me so that Amy would meet every need I had always, that she would serve me and that she would take care of me and pump me up and be all about me, nor me, her, for that very reason. God gave Amy to me so that we together, Ephesians 5, would be an example of the relationship of Jesus with his church, the bride. That is a relationship of uh, unconditional love, of grace, of mercy, of loyalty, of commitment, and the, the world should see that. So my marriage is about God. It's not really about me ultimately, okay? That's how we fight. That's how we fight, folks. We fight with the word of God. The word of God says this. That's how we fight. So listen, folks. Listen, listen, listen. I, I need you to understand this. The devil is confusing you the devil's confusing you about marriage. Understand, listen, your marriage is not ultimately about you. It is about Jesus. It is about the glory it brings Jesus. And there's gonna be hard days. My wife is hard to live with sometimes. Y'all know that. Poor little me. 
Y'all know, pray for Amy, okay? Y'all just got to deal with me for 45 minutes or so on Sunday morning. Pray for her. Yeah, our marriage is hard. Sometimes we don't like each other too good, right? I mean, that's, 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 that's life. Sometimes we argue and fight, and sometimes it'll last for a day or two, right? But you know what? That's... <laughs> That's right. That's right. <laughs> and sometimes poor little Amy don't meet my needs. Just ask me. But listen, it's not about me ultimately. It's about Jesus. And if I follow Jesus, I'm going to show her unconditional love. And I'm going to offer grace. And I'm going to offer forgiveness. And I, I, I'm going to ask for forgiveness because that's what my marriage is about. Folks, get your eyes on what marriage is and pray. And, and rather than praying, listen, here's, here's a great game changer. Rather than praying continually that God changes your spouse, why don't you pray that God changes you? Right? Listen, folks, that's how you fight. That's how you fight in marriage. Why are so many... So, so many people addicted, men and women, addicted to pornography because the devil's a liar. So how do you fight? Well, just stop doing it. Be a little bit stronger. Reach down and just grab, you know, your, your boots and pull them up and cinch up and let's go. You can do it. No, you can't. Not in your own power, I promise. That's why you're addicted to it because you can't in your own power. What do you do? And you, you got to understand you're filling your mind with stuff. You're filling your mind with stuff that dishonors the Lord. And, it, and, 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 and sex, you're not understanding what sex is. Why are people like, man, I can have, listen, you're, you're a man and you're 19, you're 16, you're 21, you're 31, you're 50 and you're single. You've got hormones. God created you. You can have sex. It's natural. Why would you not? The devil's a liar. The de sex is not just about pleasure. Oh, it is about pleasure. Believe me, right? You know that if you're married. It's about pleasure. And there's immense pleasure in it. But it's not just about pleasure. It's about, it's spiritual and it's emotional, not just physical. And it's not just about animalistic, you know, uh, needs met and all this kind of stuff. It's a spiritual union that's taking place. And so what do I do? Man, I realize that it's about something much more. How do, I, how do I fight porn? I, I began to pump stuff into my mind that honors God, like the word of God. Remem memorize scriptures about sexual immorality. There are hundreds in the Bible. Memorize scripture. Fill your mind with things that begin to, you know, replace uh, what's in Understand something. Uh, it's not about focusing upon your shame of your past and the guilt of your past. It's not about focusing upon your identity because let me tell you something. If you're an alcoholic, uh, if, if, if you right now are an alcoholic, I don't believe you need to say if you're a Christian, my name is Pat and I'm an alcoholic. My name is Pat and I'm a redeemed child of God. That's my identity, okay? That's your identity. Don't focus on the shame and guilt of your past. Focus on the hope of your future because you've been redeemed from it. You can be redeemed from it. That's the spiritual. That's how you fight. That's how you fight, folks. How in the world, in our, right now, can we still, it bumfuzz me. And we talk about this because it's dominating our world. You know, and as a preacher, you, you, you gotta apply God's word to what's killing your people. People say, man, preachers talk about sex and money a lot because those have been the two main things that destroy people. Those have been the two main gods people have worshiped. If I was in Egypt, I'd talk about Amon Ra and other gods people worship. People worship sex and money. And now the, it, uh, other things are destroying us, right? I mean, think about it. How in the world can we be so evolved in America and still be racially divided? How? It bumfuzzles me. I don't understand it. How, how can we be racially divided? It, it, it doesn't bumfuzzle me outside this church. And I'm not talking about outside the building. The building's not the church. You're the church. It doesn't bumfuzzle me because, listen, what you need to understand is rape is never going away. Pornography is never going away. Sexual sin is never going away. Uh, 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 you know, uh, uh, racism is never going away until Jesus comes back because it is of the world and it is of the devil and it is sinful and it, it's not going away. 
but inside the church, it should be eradicated. Inside the church, it shouldn't be here. When, listen, when, when, when Paul said in Ephesians 6, uh, and when Paul said uh, uh, in Galatians, I'm sorry, in Galatians 3, when Paul said inside the church, there is no more Jew, nor Greek, nor slave, nor free, nor male, nor female, okay? We're one in Christ. What did he mean? Did he mean that when you come to Christ, you lose all of your uh, distinctive identity? No, he didn't. That's not what he meant at all. Ralph Bella, you're Puerto Rican, right? Now, where, 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 where are you from, Ralph Bella? Huh? Dominican, the DR. I knew that. DR. Ralph Bella's from the DR. He's a bass player, by the way. You know, he gets that bass up here. You can tell Ralph, he's in that groove. Some people play it down here, Ralph. You play it up here. Yeah, DR, I know that. I've known Ralph for a long time. Ralph, Ralph, uh, I met him a long time ago. But anyway, Ralph's a DR. I get, I, I, I confuse Moses and, 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 you know, and Paul sometimes. And so, uh, but Ralph's a Dominican Republic. When Ralph became a Christian, uh, Ralph didn't have to lay down being a Dominican Republican, Right? I mean, Ralph is a, a Hispanic man. And, you know, uh, uh, you know, when I look at, at some of you, if you're a black man, when I look at you, oh, I, I, I'm not one of those guys that say, oh, I don't see color. I'm sorry, man. I'll pray that God heals you color blindness. I mean, you know, I do. Ken Hampton on our staff is a black man. And when I look at Ken Hampton, I see a black man. When he looks at me, what do you think he sees? A pasty white man. Right? I mean, Ken's a black man and he's proud to be a black man. Uh, Ralph is a Dominican. He is proud. It's a part of his heritage. It is a part of his identity. He doesn't lay that down. That's not what it means when, when it says there's no more Jew nor Greek nor slave nor free nor male nor, nor, nor female. Think about what Paul's saying. Listen, it's not that we lose our distinctive identity. It, all those people thought they were more important than the other. You see, the Jew thought they were more important than the Greek. The free thought they were more important than the slave. The men thought they were more important than the women. And Paul says, not anymore, not in Christ Jesus. You're one in Christ. You have a, you, you have, you're creating the image of God in all people. You're one in Jesus Christ. In the church, let me tell you something. In the church, in the church, if, if, if there's an issue that someone is inferior because of the skin of color of their skin, and let me make sure you understand something. There's a sanctification issue or it's not a believer. Because when you're a believer in Jesus Christ, all that changes. Now, let me make sure you understand something. It doesn't change overnight. Sanctification, salvation is a moment. Sanctification takes a lifetime. I understand that, all right? So the deal is you should look more like Jesus today than you did yesterday, right? Or you should look more like Jesus today than you did five years ago and 10 years ago. And so if you're not looking more like Jesus, you gotta go back and say, do I know Jesus, right? And so we know what Jesus feels. We know how Jesus, are we treating people inside? People on the outside of this church and every church of Christians should look in and with all the, prob the, the solutions the world is offering, they should look in and say, how in the world is that Dominican? How in the world is that Venezuelan? How in the world is that Laotian? How in the world does that Burmese, how in the world uh, does, does, does that uh, Nigerian, how does the world is that man from Ghana, how does the world does that black man, how does the world is that brown man, every color under the sun, how in the world do they worship together, love each other, and act like they really want to be together? How the, the, the world should look in and see that within the church. It, it will never be eradicated out there. It should be in the church. It shouldn't be anywhere near the church. Where does it begin? with you teaching the kids, church. Go, going back to the gender issues, man, there's so many layers about uh, what's the answer to that. There's a lot of layers that I can't unpack, but let me tell you where it begins, moms and dad. The devil's a liar. Why are your kids confused? Why are they gonna be confused? They're going to be because the devil's a liar. What do you do? Moms and dads, we implore you, pour Jesus into your kids. Pour the Bible into your kids, moms and dads. I mean, man, it can't be just trusting the church to do it because the church has got them for a couple of hours a week at most. They're being eaten up out through the week. 
you kind of pour Jesus. Have an intentional time that you pour Jesus. Make sure they're reading their Bible. Man, when you're in the car line, when you're going places with them, look for opportunities to talk about Jesus. Pour God, pour Jesus, his word into their life so that they're not confused. As Paul told Timothy in 1 Timothy, stay there in Ephesus so that you can teach these, these people not to be tossed back and forth. You can correct the bad stuff that they're learning. That's given to you parents too. We need to do that. Teach them. Pour Jesus into your kids, moms and dads. I implore you to do that. That's where it's gonna begin. So I hope you're beginning to understand the problems in the world as we look through Revelation. It's a spiritual battle. Every problem that you face, it's why people die because of sin. It's why people have mental illness because of sin. It's why moms and dads fights and it's why kids rebel and, it, and it's why marriages fall apart and it's why people have money problems. Man, it, it, every problem in our world is a, goes back to the root of sin. Every problem. And so we can't fight. We can't fight the battle. We cannot fight the battle with fleshly weapons. We have to fight with spiritual weapons, with the word, with prayer, and with holy lives, church. I hope you're seeing that if you've been playing games with your faith, that this is not a game, it's war. And it's time to quit playing games with our faith. And it's time to suit up and go to war. Go to war for our kids, go to war for our neighbors, go to war for, 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 for our family. Go to war and fight with spiritual, spiritual weapons. Let's pray together. Father, right now I just pray God, I pray right now that, God, you would open people's eyes. There are many people that have listened to this message, God, and from all over the world, and as they've listened, wherever they are, God, maybe they've understood for the first time what their real problem is, and they've been trying so many times to get clean from whatever their addiction is. They've been trying so many ways to fight the loneliness that they can't overcome, and God, they've been trying in so many ways to to, to solve their problems. And maybe for the first time, you've opened their eyes to see that their problem is this cosmic conflict that's going home for their soul. And God, I pray right now that you would save people, God. I pray that you would open their eyes to see who you are. God, I pray that you would remove the barriers that prevent people from coming to know you. I pray, God, right now, save people. I, I pray that anyone in this room, anyone that's watching, uh, Lord, anyone that's engaged right now, Lord, that if they would just, that, that, that if they would text us, Lord, uh, if you are anywhere around the world, text right now the word Jesus to 1-615-551-9800. We'll contact you today. I pray for people in this room, God, to not walk out of the building, Father, that they will have enough gumption, God, to come back and say, I need Jesus. I need the real solution. I pray for salvations to begin to happen. I pray for people to begin to get saved. I pray for a spiritual awakening to happen within our church, within our community, God, within our world. I pray that we would see a mighty movement where you begin to save souls. And God, for the Christians, those who are saved, I pray that you would awaken those who are asleep. I pray that, God, you would help people to understand that are playing games, that it's no time to play games, that they're going to be eaten up if they're not actively in battle. They can't sit on the sidelines because we're at war, and, God, they're gonna be devoured. And I pray for not only awakening, God, but a revival to take place among your people. God, a revival so strong that your people will absolutely see hearts change that will lead to families change that will lead to communities and churches change God I pray that you'll begin to change our hearts God I pray that your people would awaken and be that mighty army that fights in the spiritual war God we know you've won God we're not fighting as an army that's fighting questioning our victory we're fighting a vic battle that we know we've won so we should give it our all not lay back God, I pray that Christians would awaken and I pray that lost would be saved and I pray that we would get serious and that we would fight this war in your spiritual weapons, prayer, the word, holy lives, sold out for your glory in this world, in, the, in, in this time, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. In Jesus' name, amen.